Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Haggai. Some people call it Haggai, some call it Haggai. I just learned it as Haggai, so book of Haggai. If you don't know where that's at, you're not alone, okay? That's in the Old Testament. It's one of the minor prophets, and not a lot of people know where this is at, but as we speak on more, everyone say more. As we've been speaking on more, I want to, last week I shared with you on tithing. I spoke about giving, and it was an uncomfortable message for me, and I know for some to hear it, but uh, when we talk about giving, I need to make sure that this church is ready for what's next in their, your lives, that you are in a process where you can not only give to God, but that you're opening up your hearts to be able to receive what God wants for you as well. Amen. And so where we're about to read the book of Haggai, let me set this up for you. God had entered into a franchise agreement with the children of Israel. He says for 10 cents on the dollar, we can go into business together. And I will make sure the elements are right for you to where the sun will shine, the earth will produce because they had an agricultural system. And that I will send rain when you need rain and I will produce the things that are necessary for your crops to become very fruitful. And so that you are blessed as a result. But the problem was is that they broke their franchise agreement with God. And they started turning to other gods as well. So God sends them into bondage to another nation. And when they come back, God raises up a king at that other nation that says, Listen, I'm going to send you home, but when I send you home, I'm going to give you money on one condition. I'm going to give you money to rebuild the temple to your God. Because here's this heathen king that believes more in the God of Israel than the people of Israel believed in him. He says, your God is so amazing. I want you to rebuild the temple and I'm going to give you the money to do it. And so they take everything and they're led by a guy by the name of Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, and a guy by the name of Ezra to go and to rebuild the temple and reestablish Jerusalem. And as they lay the foundation, they stop. Many of you have laid your foundation in Christ, but you've stopped. You've laid a foundation, you've accepted Christ, but you stop building. And it's bigger than just accepting Christ. Accepting Christ is just step one of your walk with God. The, the, the accepting of Christ just gets a ticket to heaven. But Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could just accept him to go to heaven. He died so that you could get your dominion back. So that you could make a difference on earth today. So this is what he says in verse 3. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say oh man. Okay, it's on the screen for you, bright one. Okay? Verse 3, it says this. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Pause for dramatic effect. This is what the Lord of the Lord's armies of heaven says. Look what's happening to you. Verse 6. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. 
You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets with holes. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Have you ever gone through that? Ever put money in your pocket and fill, you know, you get paid on on Friday and you're broke by Saturday? This is what he's talking about. That God is simply saying, I want you to live at a higher level, but some of you, you're eating, you're not being satisfied. You're drinking, you're not quenching your thirst. You're getting clothes, but you're still not warm. No matter what you do, you're still finding yourself empty. And God said, it's because you broke the covenant Because you laid the foundation of my house, but you haven't rebuilt it. You have to go beyond laying the foundation. you got to establish and place me first. So I shared with you last week that God established a standard of giving. And three things God established was, number one, a priority gift. That we make God first. That even before you pay the government, you give God his cut. When acknowledging God... Thank you for giving me the ability to do what, you, what I do today, to make a living, to have the, the wisdom, the ability, the talent, the treasure, to do the things that you've given to me to do. So priority giving. Secondly, God also established what's called percentage giving. Remember the story of the, the widow that as they're giving money at the church, all the rich people were walking in with their robes and pomp and circumstance and dropping big lump, lump sums of money And then this little widow comes in and drops two cents. And Jesus stops the procession and says, this woman is given more than all these other people. Why? Because she gave more of a percentage. She gave everything she had. While these individuals were just giving a piece. So God establishes what's called percentage giving to ensure that whether you're making $10 a month or $10 a month, that the percentage stays the same. It's a little quiet in here. Okay? Third thing was a progressive giving. That as you start giving, you recognize that that giving should grow. Now, I, I want to I share this with you because I think it's really cool. I asked on social media. I wanted to hear from some people that God had just blessed them. God's done some things in their life and is just... Because of their giving, because they've been faithful to God, uh, let, let me read this to you. It says, Pastor Dan, I've seen your post and had to share uh, past few weeks what we've experienced. It all starts with a home that we weren't looking for and a down payment that we didn't have. It's a great start. Upu and Leah, you should have listened to this, okay? I'm just kidding. We received a call about a home from some friends who are realtors. We checked it out and we fell in love with it. We applied for a loan and we were approved, but we still didn't have a down payment. Now, look what happens. These are people that that have been giving. These are people that have been faithful in their giving. He goes, then I remember my boss telling me to come see him when I'm ready to buy a house. So I called him and chat with him, and I walked out with a hefty check that seemed impossible. Oh, come on. You can put your hands together for that. 
He says the next couple of weeks were problem after problem when lenders and HOA company, every single day there was a problem. And for the past few weeks, God moved mountains to make our dream come true. From checks in the mail to bonuses and blessings, literally the changing of few hearts, God made a way. We are here now in doing the final walkthrough today in closing next week. God has moved in a mighty way for us and all this because we have been givers. When you give, God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out blessings to you. You come into agreement with heaven. And so I want you to understand that when we, God created a standard of giving because people, we have been designed as a people to give. We have been, we, as a people, we have been designed with, a, with this need to worship with our giving. So God established a priority giving, a percentage giving, and a progressive giving. Look, look at the book of Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. It says this. Now remember, they were in an agricultural system. Now, many of you are saying, Pastor, you're talking about Old Testament. Hang with me, okay? I'm going to take you somewhere on this, all right? Leviticus 27 says, a tenth. Someone say a tenth. He says, a tenth of the produce from the land, whether grain or from the fruit fields or the fruits of the trees, belong to the Lord. Who do they belong to? Not to you. You may have grown it. You may have planted the seed. You may have harvested it. But God said that the first 10% belongs to who? To him, not to you. And it must be set apart to him as holy. Now, as we read that, I want you to understand they were in an agriculture system. So everything that came from the ground, they gave God the first 10% that came from the ground. We don't operate in a in an agricultural system. We operate in a monetary system. Your first fruits are what you get paid every week. And the government doesn't trust you to give you their cut. So they take it out before you even get it. I think God should do the same thing. Now, don't worry, I'm I'm messing with you. But are we talking about New Testament or Old Testament principle? Law or grace? Aren't we under grace right now, Pastor Dan? Don't we operate under grace? I want you to understand, listen, there's nothing you can do to merit salvation. There's no work you can do to make yourself acceptable to God. Jesus accomplished it all. Somebody say all. He accomplished it all on the cross of Calvary. You cannot earn your salvation. It has been won and done by Christ on the cross that you cannot earn it. But God says this, I can't make you love me. And so how you show your affection towards me, take care of my bride. Take care of my church. Take care of the things that I love. So that you can make sure that there's food in my house that when you're hungry, you have a place to eat spiritually. That when you need direction, there's wisdom in that house for you. That when you need encouragement, there's a song to to uplift your spirit. That when I need direction or, or someone to pray for me or someone to lead the way, that I have that ability to know that there's someone I can count on in the house. God established this thing called a tie to support The temple of God. Now, I've done this for free. And I would continue to do it for free. That's my call. I was working at a time, I was making $300 a month as a youth pastor. And when they wanted to give me a raise at the church, 
They were going to give me a raise from $300 a month to $600 a month. The board asked this question. Someone on the board. Is his wife going to quit her job? Because at my job, I only get a 3% raise a year. He's getting a 100% raise. So is his wife going to quit? That was a mentality. Yeah, me and my wife are going to live off $600 a month. Why don't you try that? I've done this for free. I've done it when I didn't get paid. I've given my heart to God and I've preached the word. when there was, I, I've received as a love offering a live chicken. You think I'm kidding. I preached at a church after service was over. The pastor handed me a chicken. What am I going to do with this? It's like, thank you. I didn't know what to do. But that's what they had to give. And so when I recognized that, I gave it back to the pastor. Because obviously they needed it more than I did. What what am I telling you today? God established the tithe as a way to make sure that there was food in the house of God. That the lights were on. That there were places of worship going on. Listen, I need you to see what's happening here. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. For those that are asking, is this Old Testament or New Testament? I'm going to share this with you right here, okay? Do some teaching. So get your Bibles out, all right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. If you're there, say amen. Okay, if, if you're not, it's on the screen. This is what, these are Jesus' words, not mine, okay? Don't un- misunderstand what I, why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. Well, pastor, isn't tithing part of the law of Moses? What did Jesus say? Didn't come to abolish it. He says, or the writings of the prophet. No, I came to accomplish those purposes, Okay, and so I want you to see, did Jesus come to lower the bar or to raise the bar? Now, grace will raise the bar. It won't lower the bar. And in this movement of grace, this cheap grace that we preach today, we talk about grace. Well, it's under grace, so I can sin all I want. I can do what I want to do, and that I'm covered by grace. Grace raises the standard. It doesn't lower it. How do I know that? Let me, let me take you somewhere this morning, okay? He is a God of more. Now, stay in Matthew chapter 5. Go with me to verse 21 now, all right? We're going to do some teaching this morning. Take a look at this. You have heard it. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder, and if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Notice what Jesus says. But I say, Jesus goes into what I call the discourse of the sin of being average. Okay, let me try this side, all right? God goes into this discourse of the sin of being average. Okay, I was wrong. Okay, yeah, you, guys, you guys are the Let's try the middle section, all right? Jesus goes into the discourse of the sin of being average. That was an average response, too. See, I need you to understand that when we operate in average, we make everyone around us worse. Jesus didn't want us to operate as average because, remember, you're the light of the world. 
And if we are the light of the world and we are operating as average and we're the ones that are responsible for causing society, the economy, health care and for outlook on life to go up and we are operating where everyone else is, everyone else around us is going to operate at a step under us. So Jesus steps in and says, listen, my people, kingdom people, don't operate at average. He says, you've heard it said of men of old. Where did they hear it from men of old? God was the one that gave it to the prophets. So when Jesus says, you've heard it said of men of old, he's saying, I told you way back in the day that this is the way it is. But now that I'm here, I expect you to live at a higher level than what other people lived at before. I don't want you to be average. I want you to be extraordinary. And how do you do that? He says this, if you are even angry with someone else, You are subject to judgment if you call someone an idiot. I'm pausing not because of you, because I've used that word several times when I'm driving. (laughs) Just being straight. Idiot. Then I read this, I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. He says, even if you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. I will look at this last part. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of hell's fire. But they got me mad. No one gets you mad. It's called losing your temper for a reason. It's yours. No one can make you do anything with your temper you don't want to do. So when you lose your temper, you're the one that let it go. You have the ability to hold on to it. No, they they didn't make you do nothing. Nobody can make you do anything. When we do something, we make a choice to do it, and you feel it building up when you're about to explode. You feel it. You're you're going back to Jesus. Hey, just be cool. Let it go. But, But just let it go. So in dealing with anger, does Jesus raise the standard or lower the standard? Okay, let's go on to the next one. Matthew 5, 27. You have heard the commandment say you must not commit adultery. Uh Uh-oh. But I say to you, or I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ow. Did God really mean that? See, I wonder how many people committed adultery before they even walked into church today. In regards to lust, does God raise the standard or lower it? Verse 32, you've heard it said that a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say to you, a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I'm not here to talk about your your marital status, but in regards to divorce, does God raise it or lower it? Let's go on. Don't worry, we're almost done. Some of your toes are getting stepped on right now. You have heard it also of our ancestors told you, you must not break your vows, you must not, and you must carry out your vows that you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. 
He goes on and says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't go anywhere beyond that. Hey, I promise I'll do it. If you can't do it now, just say yes or no. But don't go beyond that. So regarding vows or promises, does God lower or raise the standard? He raises the standard. Let's go on. You have heard the law say that punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer him also. Now, my dad used to tell me, after that other cheek, there doesn't say what to do after that. I'm not telling you my dad's biblically correct. Based on what Jesus did, Jesus took it. But I also see Jesus throwing over tables, making whips, and beginning to set things in in order as well. But in regards to dealing with revenge, does Jesus raise the standard or lower the standard? Anyone catching what's going on here? Verse 43, last one. Someone say amen. First service was struggling with this, man. They're like, come on, pastor, finish these things already. You have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In dealing with enemies, does God raise the standard or lower it? So when it comes to giving, do you think when we are under the law of, when we're no longer under the law, but we are operating under grace, does the tithe become Higher or lower? The tithe becomes the watermark. That becomes the level of average. This is the starting point right here. And and the trouble that we have many times in our lives is that we struggle in the area of giving, especially when we look at what's outgoing and the things or responsibilities we have on our lives. What am I telling you? See, there's more to life than this, that God wants to bless you beyond what you are experiencing right now. God says, I want to partner with you. I want to go into business with you. For 10 cents on the dollar, I'll become your business partner. I'll give you direction. I'll give you the the way to go. What I love about this, and I've been sharing this with you guys for for years. Yesterday, I I had a conversation with Kevin, and, uh, you know, too many people are just trying to get by, and the thing I love about Kevin Warren, we've been doing spiritual accountability for the past, good Lord, almost uh, 18 years, we've been doing accountability with one another, and I ask him seven questions, and these seven questions, I ask him on a weekly basis. Number one, have you spent quality time in the Word and in prayer? Secondly, I ask them, have you, have you uh, grown in, in your spiritual life? What have you learned this past week? The third thing I ask them, have you been, spent proper time within the word, or not in the word, with your family and with your kids? Then the fourth thing I ask them is this, is that are all your financial dealings done with integrity and in order? Have you been anywhere with the woman that's not your wife that could be seen as compromising? And the number six I ask them, have you seen anything sexually explicit that could, that could affect you? And then the last question is, have you lied to me on any of the above? For the past 18 years, these are the questions that have guided us in our relationship. And whenever I asked him the fifth question on the financial integrity about tithing, just recently I asked him, are you tithing? Are you giving? And he started giving me a little chuckle. He says, Pastor, let me tell you this. He goes, I've learned never to touch God's money. 
Because I realize that if I get uncomfortable at the level I am now, God will, has no problem taking me back to a level where I was comfortable giving. You, you know what's so cool about this? Is that he shared with me yesterday that he is on the verge of buying ownership of the Minnesota Timberwolves in the NBA. He's been wanting to become an NFL owner for a while, but God has opened the door because of his faithfulness for him to become an owner of the NBA Timberwolves. And as he's talking about the favor that God's given to him as he's applied for the financing to make this happen, he says, normally you have a hard time doing so. He goes, but I have three banks in line ready to make it happen. And I stopped him. I said, Kevin, do you realize why that's happening? He goes, what do you mean? I said, do you realize when we started meeting years ago, you had a loan for over 250000 that you were paying on. And you made a commitment to pay that off early. And I remember you talking about this, that they didn't think that a man of color could pay that loan off that fast. But you paid it off. The guy that was the loan officer for that loan is the one now offering him the loan to go into the Minnesota Timberwolves. Are, are you following me? Because I need you to understand that what you, the seeds you plant today become the fruit you eat from later on in life. I say all that to say, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to close. Worship team, if you would help me. Upu, stay right where you're at, okay? Actually, I should have you come up one last time, man. Verse, nine, uh, verse 7 of chapter 9. You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give what? Reluctantly. Or in response to pressure. Like I shared with you last Sunday, I can't pressure you to give, but I can teach you to give. I never want to be, I never want you to give out of, out of, out of pressure. I never want you to give out of reluctance because the Bible says, for God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. And what, what Kevin shared with me yesterday, it just cracked me up because he says, if we do not, if we're not comfortable at the level that we're at, God will take us back to a level where we were happy. So let, let, me, let me ask it to you this way, because blessings based on management, all right? Are you comfortable worshiping God with the $10 check? If you are, say Amen. Just one person? How, how many are, are, you can write a check for $10 and be okay with that? Not going to trip. Okay, you can raise your hands. It's okay. I'm not going to ask for a $10 check after this is over. This is just a survey, okay? Secondly, how many are okay with, feel comfortable writing a $100 check? Okay, the questions are going to get harder as we go along. How many would have a hard time writing a $1,000 check or would be okay with writing a thousand dollar check okay be okay writing a ten thousand dollar check whoa 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 wait a minute pastor we were cool at a thousand but if you're giving ten thousand that means you're making a hundred thousand how many would be comfortable writing a check for a hundred thousand You see, if you're not comfortable at that level, 
That's why you're praying for things that you haven't received yet. Because God's saying, if you can get comfortable, you can get cheerful at this level. I can trust you with another level. That if you can get cheerful, if you can get happy, if you can do this joyfully instead of the usher having to peel the check out of your hand as they're going by or, or you being like, take it then, man. God, get my 10%. Shoot. God always asking for something. Because the percentage doesn't change. What's changing is your responsibility. And if God can trust you with more, and you could be comfortable at giving more, God says you're ready for more. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. For those who have received greater revelation from their master are required greater obedience. For those that have been entrusted with great responsibility will be held to more responsibility to their master. Where much is given, much is required. Now, now, I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor Dan, I got here on my own. I made it to this point on my own. It was my blood, sweat, and tears that got me to this place. Well, who gave you the mind that you have to do business? Who gave you the ability to do those things? Who gifted you? Who gave you the ability to look at things so different? That that business had been there. That model was there. But God gave you the vision, the mentality, the strategy to make that thing into a multi-million dollar business. God entrusted that to you. So I can say that to you because I know you're faithful. But you're praying for more blessing, but you can't be faithful where you're at. God's a manager, and he wants to give you more. And I'm telling God right now, God, I want more. God, you can trust me. You can trust me with more because I'll take what you give me and I'll give you your franchise fee. I'll give you what belongs to you. You're not going to have to pry it out of my hands. In fact, I'm going to give you above and beyond that because I'm not just average. I'm above average. I want to give above and beyond. I want to step into the offering. I understand what this generation's all about. The millennials, you want to give, but you don't want to just give a tithe. You want to give to certain projects. You want to give to something that's going on. How can I, where, where's my money going to? What can I give to affect something, transform? And I understand that. I recognize that you want to give to something that's taking place. You want to see Operation Christmas Child. You want to see jackets reach the homeless. You want to see food to, 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 uh, those that are hungry, I understand that, but you cannot be generous until you've tithed. Tithe is our watermark. Everything above becomes the offering. We can't be generous until we first give what God is asking from us. Now, each one of you has to work that out between you and God. 
Because you know what? I want to go back to preaching. I just want to go back to preaching that God, God's going to show up on your side. I want to talk about you being an overcomer. I want to challenge you and your family to new heights. I want to get beyond the elementary principles of the word of God. I want to get beyond these because giving is, these are elementary principles, folks. These are things that as, as believers in Christ, these shouldn't even be an issue in our lives. These are things that mature people in Christ already have handled. That this, you, you should be sitting here like, Pastor, I already know that. I already know those things. I, I, I got that area down in my life. You know what? Let's nail this. Let's get this down. Because in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, and as they cross into the promised land, as they go up against uh, Jericho, God says, listen, the tithe of Jericho, of, this, of the new land, is going to be everything that you get from Jericho. All that is holy. It's going to be mine. So destroy everything. One man decided he wasn't going to do that. He saw a gold bar, saw some silver, and a nice Armani robe. And he stole it. So when the army went into battle, the next battle, 34 men of Israel were killed in battle and they had never experienced a loss in battle. Joshua begins to cry before God and he tells God, God, why? Why bring us out here for us to get defeated by this little town? And God says, you know what? Get up off your face. Now's not the time to pray. Now's the time to deal with what's going on. He says there's sin in the camp. Someone took what belongs to me. And put it among their own stuff. Want to get personal? Some of you are watching a TV that doesn't belong to you. It's God's. Driving a car that you shouldn't have because it's God's. Because you've taken the tithe and you've used it for personal purposes. Getting a little personal this morning, man hard huh but you don't know what I'm going through Pastor Dan listen all I know is that I would rather have my finances blessed by God than cursed by him stop putting money in pockets with holes in them start trusting to take care of the house of God and watch God take care of your house as well I want you to stand to your feet this morning thank you for downloading this message for more information on our church visit us at cwcbayarea.com You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.